What's going on, everybody? What's happening? Welcome back. I'm about to make these a little more regular now. I appreciate all the listeners listening in. All my great audience of... I don't know, most recently I've been getting a lot of people listening. I appreciate you guys. I want the feedback. I want you guys to let me know how I'm doing, what I need to change. You know, I'm also trying to do things, add other people, get different voices, because I know you guys are tired of hearing my voice all the time. So, I'm on that level. So, today, I'm going to flip it up a little bit. I'm not going to talk about sports today. I'm going to get a little personal. So, this is how this particular episode is going to go today. So, as you guys know, I always like to do these podcasts on the way to work. Gives me about 15 to 20 minutes to just speak my mind on some things. So, for a lot of you that have known me for the last 20 years, known my personal situation, Um, So I won't be naming any names on anything. Um, If I get frustrated and do start naming specific names, then so be it. But there is a warning on this. So everybody that grows up in this world has a different life experience. The one thing that I always lived by was my shoes will never fit yours. So don't complain to me about certain things that you think I have it good at. Just because I wear a 13 and you wear a 13, my foot may be wide and yours may be slim. I may have an arch, you may not. We are not the same. I've gone through a lot of different experiences that would have cracked so many people. Um, always take the high road, always look at the positivity in everything that I decide to do because that's just the person that I am. Um, I had a nice conversation this morning with someone that uh, wanted to give me an opportunity to do something, but it was out of his control. And that's what sparked me to want to talk about this situation right now. So... I'm just putting this out there to say this is just my experience. I know there's a lot of other people who will experience the exact same thing. I also know the experience that people will look at me and say that's ridiculous because that never happened. I'm not looking to change anybody's minds with my mindset right now. I'm not looking to to point out any particular type of person, whether you guys want to say it's a male, a female, a white person, a Latino, an Asian, doesn't matter. This specific case goes on the specific people that was surrounded by me. I'm not pointing anything towards any demographic. So if I do say women, men, black, white, I'm I'm trying to describe the person without giving a name. I am not talking about you. I'm not talking about everybody that is like you. I'm not talking about the entire women, the entire women, the entire men, the entire white, the entire black. Okay? So now that I've gotten that out the way, let's get started. So a lot of you know 
I've grown up in Washington, D.C., born and raised to the point where a lot of things outside of, let's say, the other side of Montgomery County, PG County, uh, Pr uh, Prince William County in Virginia, Baltimore County, Howard County, if you guys live in Maryland, Anne Arundel County, you know, Loudoun County in Virginia. If it's outside of that surrounding border, for me growing, growing up, I knew nothing about. So with me growing up in DC, you get a lot of things going on, um, a lot of tragedy. Um, in the 80s, it was a bunch of mess. Um, money was very high in the district, but the income was always very low. That's just the surrounding that I had. Um, when it comes to my upbringing, I was brought up around the game of basketball. No matter what the situation is, if my homework was done, I was in a gym. If my homework was done, I was probably putting the puzzle together. If my homework was done, I was, I was just, I was a math whiz. That was the type of person I was, but I was also a shy, a very shy person. Um, just giving that little slight background of myself. Um, around the time, middle school time, that's when I really started to realize that a lot of things that goes on in this world, I, I truly need to pay attention to. Um, I started to see a lot of politics. I started to see a lot of things that made you think like, why would you decide to do something this way and, and not do me a, a, a solid, you know what I mean? And, and as a, a kid before getting to the teenage years, you're really not supposed to think about stuff like that. You're supposed to just be a kid. For example, uh, middle school was the first time I was actually on a travel basketball team. So we used to go to Orlando, Florida, uh, New York City, those places. Um, I was by far one of the most talented players on one of those teams. I won't never say that I'm the best because we was young. I always got complimented by coaches that, that came to me and said, I need to have more of aggressive take, but I grew up as a team player. I know I can get my, my points, but if I don't have the other four players on the basketball court with me, I can't win. That was my mindset growing up as a basketball player. So that's the one reason why I'm more upset with a lot of the ways the basketball is played today. So I remember just very fondly, I was usually one of the tallest players on my team. So I wanted to play the wing, the two, the three, shooting guard, small forward, we, we did back then, that was positionless basketball, but I wanted to play the shooting guard, the small forward. Um, I never really wanted to play point guard, even though that was my mindset. I never really wanted to, to be that dynamic ball handler. I, w I wanted to be scary, desperate, catch shoot type of guy. Um, I was always able to jump, I had big calf muscles. Um, so if somebody tried to score a layup, I'd be the one that swatted and block it at the backboard. And this is this is very young. Like when I was like 11, 12, I, I was like 5'10", 5'11"-ish. You know, so yeah, I was the tallest one out the bunch. 
So I remember making this one basketball team, and the first thing the coach said was, I know you like to shoot. I know you have an amazing shot, but I'm going to use you in the post. Never played any post in my life. Don't know any post moves, nothing. So I'm just looking at him like, whatever. If I get on the court, I'm just going to play my game. That was just me. So I remember my first game I played with this travel team. And I remember talking to one of the... And it's, and it's weird to say this, but one of the, the media people from one of the low-tier New York uh, newspapers that was that was writing about the, the tournament and how the youth games was bringing kids together and things like that, that was a brand new feel. And at this particular age, I really truly didn't care about stats. But the guy came to me and said, you know, Washington, D.C. is very strong you know, has a rich talent pool. And I'm looking at you guys at the ages of 11 and 10, doing things that we don't really see from 11 and 10 year olds, especially on the girl side. And, and when I bring up the girl side, like for anybody that's in the area, you know, growing up the same age I had, I think the girls team had like uh, Danielle Payne, who's a strong, uh, no relation, because my last name is Payne. Um, Joanna Barnes was on the squad. Then they had a other couple uh, girls that went on to, play Catholic League and, and, was, and was killing. But on the girls and the boys' side in basketball, we was we was extremely strong. And um, and it was funny, but this, this goes into my story on how the end of the story is going to end when I get finished. But, you know, we I think we played a team from Georgia, and I think we beat them by like 30. And when I was that age, I truly didn't really think about stats. My thing was just go out, have fun, make sure everybody else on my team was involved so they just didn't feel like they were just there. That was my style of game. And I remember playing a specific way that my coach really, truly didn't like. And, and I remember talking to him recently, and he told me about this. He said, uh, after that first game we played in New York, do you understand how pissed off I was with you? And I was like, really like how, why would you upset so upset with me he had a vision for me that I didn't see I knew that the older I got I would not be the tallest person on the team so my game I wanted to incorporate all that stuff so talking to this reporter he came to me and said well I know it's one thing I need to tell you and I know they keep stats and all this other stuff, but we we keep in-depth stats here um, in New York just because that's the style that we do for every everything. Do you realize that you had a triple-double and you almost had a quadruple-double? So I was thinking to myself like, wait, what? And you know, at, at, the, at 11 and 12, just to give you a picture of how the media was back then, like I, I truly didn't have cable back then. So I didn't get the sports centers and all the other stuff. If it wasn't Channel 4 News with George, with George Michael and for everybody that's in Maryland, D.C. area, you know what I'm talking about. I truly didn't know. You know what I mean? So I knew what triple-double meant, but I didn't know the impact of it. So the guy said, you know, you had a triple-double and you almost had a quadruple-double in steals. So I'm thinking to myself, like, really? Like, seriously, I'm just out here having fun, just playing. I ended up having 18 points, 13 assists. 12 rebounds, and, and I think he said eight steals or something like that. 
So from then, from then on, I started looking like, okay, what I do makes sense. Coach didn't talk to me after the game, turned his back, walked away. Didn't start me the next game. But this is how I knew how tough I was. So even though I didn't start the next game, I didn't say anything. So the coach recently came up to me and was like, the first game that you played for me in New York, you had an outstanding game to the point where I couldn't get mad at you. But do you want to know why I was upset with you? So I was like, all right, so why were you upset with me? He was like, you did it so easily that if you would have gave 1% more effort, it would have been a completely different game. So I'm thinking to myself, I'm only 11. I'm not thinking about stuff like that until I get to high school. That's just how I'm thinking about it. So I just put that in the back of my mind. was like, dog, we just out here having fun. This is the first time we've been traveling on a team outside of D.C. Like, wh what are you talking about? So he would go on to be my coach until I got to high school. And he taught me so much. The first thing he taught me was, no matter what I say, I want you to not only agree with it, but look to add to it in some type of way. So I had to think about that. What do you mean by that? Like, and he said, I see some things as a coach that you don't see as a player. All I want you to do is realize that everything that I'm saying is something that you are missing on the court. So for me, as a young kid, I'm like, you know, he doesn't know what he's talking about, this, this, and this, but I don't put that energy out there. That was by far the last coach that, that taught me something like that outside of my family. Every other coach that I had always wanted something for themselves and not for the player. This is partially why I wanted to start coaching as well. I see so much talent. I want them to be something better, but I don't necessarily want to gain anything for myself. There's too many people out here that's willing to take, to take, to take, to take, to take, to take. I don't want to take anything. These players have to want to do it. This particular year, my first year of coaching showed me a lot of that. There's a few players that want to take what I'm giving them and get better. And there's a few other players that take what I'm giving them and just going to continue to do what they do and still fail. We want you to continue to do what you're doing, but we want you to continue to add, to get better, to forget the, the, the things that hurt you in that pathway. So fast forward to high school. My high school years was probably one of the most interesting times that I've had. My ninth grade year, you know, I'm going off of varsity. I'm like, there's no way I'm not gonna make the varsity team, whatever. I'm stepping in out the gate. That first tryout that I had on varsity realized that I wasn't ready. 
the guy that was playing my position when I went when I stepped foot into high school I was six foot one the guy who was playing my position was six foot seven and could shoot from half court with ease to this day he can still shoot from half court with ease then the other position that I was going out for was a guy that was six six I was athletic I was not his athletic I knew I wasn't ready so when the coach said listen this year we're going to put you on JV. All I want you to do is continue to get better and better, and we'll see what happens at the end of the year. Did I take that as a negative? Absolutely not. There's a lot of kids right now that will see JV as something that is not worthwhile. So you know what happened my first year in JV? We lost one game. You want to know what game we lost? The first game of the season that my mom took me out. That was the only game we lost out my freshman year in NJV. Nobody knew anything about me except there was a couple of guys that I played with on another team that knew it was trying to tell the coach about me. Didn't matter. We went 13-1 and my first year in JV. So the next year, the guys that were still on the team were still there. But I was like, you know what? I, I grew to 6'3". I still got the same skills. I extended my range. I got a three-point shot. I can handle the ball a little bit better. I'm not going to varsity to start, but I damn sure is going to varsity to get some minutes. Had a couple transfers, a couple guys that uh, stepped in and, and filled the role. I said, you know what? I'll play another year at JV, and we're just going to dominate. And we did. But for me, I should have thought about a lot of other options at that particular time. I was not being seen. I wasted two years. Even though I was dominating the JV scene, I wasted two years. So, I had coaches my summer of my ninth grade year going into my 10th grade year saying, listen, there's an opportunity that I can get you into another school the only thing is you will have to take the metro to get there and you will have to change your hours of how you operate things. But for me, being a kid, all my friends are at Coolidge Senior High School. I said, what's the point? Now, as a kid, I wasn't thinking straight because they were giving me opportunities for college to look towards college and I wasn't looking at it that way. So here's what I was I should have done. Now the school that offered me a look, there were two of them. There was Blair High School, which is not really far from where I lived. And there was Springbrook High School, which was quite a bit a distance, but it was still close by. So now that I look back, I should have taken the opportunity to go to Springbrook. I played with a couple guys that went to Springbrook. I knew the style. I would have fit in just right. The guys that I played with, I averaged close to 20 a game. Plus, I had some high assist, uh, assist stats. That was, that was my path. I should have taken that path. I decided to stay at Coolidge High School, continue to play JV, and negate the fact that I had a varsity opportunity in my 10th grade year with playing time. And what happened? 
Average 20 a game in JV. We went undefeated. We won the championship again. I was voted the best JV player in the league, and it wasn't close. And I ended up joining the varsity team where we ended up losing to Spingarn in the championship that year. And the story continues. So the next year, everybody that's seen me play JV, and it's weird because, you know, I might have played on the only JV team that our home games were packed. Our JV games were a show. Like, it wasn't, like, you, you go to JV games and the scores are like, you know, 40 to 25. No, we were scoring 80 a game. Like, for us, it was fun. It was no joke. Like, it was 80 a game. We was in-game dunking, throwing the lobs, and all that other stuff. We weren't a normal JV team. So, that was my experience my first two years of Coolidge High School. My 11th grade year, I went to all the great, all the great All-Met players graduated. I stepped in, knowing that I, I was not going to be shunned. Coach decided to start a senior over me. The senior was not better than me. Everybody that played in the district knew he was not better than me. And I legit had coaches in the middle of the season saying, would you consider reclassifying and come to our school and starting right away? Me being a young kid, not thinking straight, I'm fine, I'll be all right. You know, my senior year will be it. This is the thought process that a lot of schools currently do not have that I had to go through growing up. You know, we ended up, I think we placed fourth my junior year. It was it was by far every year that I played basketball, the worst, the worst record that I've ever had playing basketball my junior year in high school. So going into my, my senior year, I decided, me and my mom talked, that I was going to go and take advantage of three basketball camps over the summer. Uh, University of Maryland camp. Uh, there was another camp that was in New Jersey, out in Jablip, and the five-star camp. So went to the university camp, University of Maryland camp, destroyed the University of Maryland camp to the point where I got screwed out of the best player in the camp. Literally, right after the award ceremony, Gary Williams came up to me and said, I've watched you, you're amazing, but the only reason I'm not giving you this trophy is because we wanna put the younger kids in a spot to let them know that they can achieve a lot more out of the way that they produced at this camp. And I legit had one of the guys that the, that won the award come to me and say, listen, there's no way you, sh you should not have gotten this. Here, take it. Literally, he walked up to me. These are kids, 14 years old. He said, listen, they put you on a team that legit had not one other per person that knew how to play the game of basketball and, and you took them to the championship game. And the only reason you lost in the championship game is because they added a standard that you can only play two quarters and you were put behind so far that you just couldn't come back. And we ended up losing by like two points, but we were down by like 15 going into the fourth quarter. In the 
guy who eventually won the trophy didn't even make it to the playoffs. So that lets you know how I thought about a lot of things. You know, no matter how good you are, there'll always be somebody who will get the credit over you. That's when I learned. But me being young-minded and not understanding this, I should have learned this a lot earlier. So, so, um, my senior year was a, was a challenge, but I went into it with high hopes. And what happened? We ended up destroying DC. I think the only loss we had was the Spingarn, and we split with Dunbar. We had two losses. But again, destroying. And when you look back at this, the one thing you will say to yourself is, for a team like that, how do you not have Division One, Division Two type players highly recruited on your team? But I'll get to that in a second. So I'm going to take a quick break, and then we're going to continue this uh, in a second, right after this ad. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we're back. We're back. So, for my senior year in high school, well, I was talking about the camps. So, the thing with basketball camps in the early 2000s, late 90s, we didn't have social media like that. So, there was only one way to get your name out so that coaches can know that you're around. There was word of mouth. There was, you know, sending in your own recruiting tape. And then there was basketball camps. So for me, I used to play against a lot of guys that was in the NBA that was in college. But I really didn't push my name out like that. So, because I didn't play AAU basketball heavy, I played I played in a couple tournaments for a few AAU teams that I didn't last the full summer with. You know, money was tight, you know, so couldn't just up and just pass out money for to play with AAU teams. I had to find other ways to get my name out. So, one year, I decided, you know, mom, you know, all these camps, people are pushing, is it cool if I, you know, go to some of these camps? I told you guys what happened at the Merlin camp. There was another camp that I went to in New Jersey that was like, I never heard of it before. I, I, if I tried to tell you guys what, it, what, what the name of it was, you wouldn't remember. I don't remember it, so. But. When I went to this camp, it was like out in the jablip in the woods somewhere. And the crazy thing was, it was all outdoors. You know, they hit us with the, you know, something happens. We got a gym close by that we can use for the camp. So not to worry. I swear it rained like four of the five days that we were up there. 
I think we was up there for five days. We might have been up there for a week. I don't remember. But, um... I remember the first day we got there, they got us checked into these little outside campsites and things like that. The room was cool. The guys were cool. And, um... It just so happened that a friend of mine who played at Duval High School, which is close by, right outside D.C., was there with me. So, you know, we, you know, we, how we do, we try to get on the same team. Like we don't know, we don't know each other. That didn't happen. But the first game that we had was outside. The courts was kind of rinky-dink. You know, you're, you're running a prestigious camp. You want to have stuff where it's top-notch. There were tree limbs and stuff on the courts. They never swept it, took care of it. The rims was missing nets. And I'm, I'm just thinking to myself, dang, like my mom paid a lot of money for me to come to this particular camp. And it's kind of dingy. But nonetheless, They didn't really provide us with enough food to last. So, like, we was eating breakfast in the breakfast hall. They give us, like, one waffle when a lot of us, you know, we all, like, big big dudes. Like, I was 6'4 at the time. You know, I had, like, four or five bunk mates. Three of them were taller than me. So, you know, we big dudes. And you giving us, like, one waffle, uh, a piece of bacon, two pieces of bacon, and then it's like these little small little cups. You know, we, I hate to say it like this, but they did that so that we could spend money in the little snack bar that they had. And I hate, I hate bringing that up. But I know that's the reason. So, and it's funny, my mother never heard this before. So if she ever decides to listen to my podcast, she'll, she'll see this and listen to this. So, you know. My mother's giving me a couple of dollars here and there just in case, you know, you want to buy something out of the snack bar. But you get these little bags of Doritos that you get out of the snack pack that's worth a quarter. And they selling them for like a dollar, two dollars. Like, that's a jip. So I was like, listen, they can't starve me. So I was finding ways to get extra food. Me and my bunkmates. But when it came to the games... Again, they try to hit us with these rules. You can't don't, you can't do this, this, this. Because if we break the rims, you can't replace it and it messes up the camp. But if we're playing on rims that's not breakaway, everybody is tall. Everybody that plays has these natural reactions to if you get a, a drive to the basket, you have to go up strong. You have to dunk on whoever's in your way. That's how we grew up. So for them to tell us to take away half of the game that we grew up doing, that's like garbage to us. So, of course, I got in trouble because I, I got caught dunking. Whatever. Whatever. Listen, if I'm going to the basket and you jumping with me, I'm not going to throw up no little soft layup. I'm going to make you pay for jumping up with me. That's just That was just my game in high school. And when I get to five-star, talk talk about five-star, 
it's it's going to come down to the same thing as well. So, it started to rain. So, this particular camp, they it was structured like this. 9 a.m. you had breakfast. 11 you had games. 2 o'clock you had skills. 4 o'clock you had games. That, that was the structure. And, and usually everywhere you go, it's just like that as well. And in between the skills and the final game, you got lunch. Lunch was like a little cut-up sandwich on white bread, a bag of chips, you know, that type of thing. Nothing heavy. Dinner, they usually feed us like spaghetti, pasta type stuff. Something that you can whip up in no time and give some kids that really don't care. This was long before vegan was huge, you know what I mean? So, I'm thinking to myself, my mom is paying a lot of money for this camp. And this is so flim and jacked up. But whatever, I just wanted to get my name out there. So, me and one of my bunkmates basically killed, and my boy that was from here that went to Duval, basically killed the entire camp. They didn't have no award show. They didn't have no recognition thing. Nothing. So that kind of rubbed me the wrong way. How do, how do you know what's going on? How do you know people are looking? I, I don't think it was a scout that came to the camp. They was telling us the scouts were coming to the camp. I'm looking for like Division Two, II, Division Three guys coming and may see a couple bodies and be like, ooh. I'm not even talking about Division One. Because at that point in time, I knew it was a long shot for me to make Division One looks. Basically because I didn't have any anybody, any letters coming from me from school. But I'm going to get into that in a little bit. So, I leave that camp. Erase it out of my mind. My mom picks me up. I'm pissed off because I felt like it was a waste of time, waste of money. But I don't tell her. I lied to her. Let her know everything was fine. Everything was cool. Because for one, at that particular time in the life that I had, my mom wasn't financially able to allow me to go to these places. So if I tell her how how trash and how crappy it was, I don't want that to be on her. Like that, she's the type of person that gets extremely upset about things. And it was justified. That one was justified. Now, when I get to the five-star camp that I had, it's why I tell everybody that whatever you think about the five-star camp, my experience left a bad taste in my mouth with the five-star camp. By far, the worst experience I've ever had playing basketball was at five-star camp. Okay. So when I went to Five Star Camp, there were guys like Lenny Cook there, Carmelo Anthony was there, uh, a couple low-level guys that played Division One that was well known was there, and of course I got teamed up with a certain point guard, Sebastian Telfair. So you know me, I'm like, okay, I got Sebastian on my squad. I've heard about this cat. He's going into his freshman year, balling out of New York. The same guy that you see 
in the McDonald's All-American videos with him talking about how everybody corny if they're not from New York. Same dude. Just 14. So I'm balling with this guy. I see the potential there. I don't say a word. The man is playing playing good basketball. So we set it up. He's playing the two. It's set up two quarters if I start count. First and third quarter, second and fourth quarter. So he's playing second and second and fourth. I'm playing first and third. We beating everybody. He gets upset because we on our team we had this one tall African cat. He's about six eight, six nine. Never played a game of basketball in his life. This is where it started to get frustrating for me. This guy never played a day of basketball in his life. I found out multiple things. First thing I found out, he didn't pay to go to the camp. Strike one for me. I'm pissed off. But whatever. Howard Garfunkel, the guy that everybody loves. He's been around basketball for so long, I don't truly think he understands basketball. But I have a personal vendetta against the guy. Because he called me out one day at Five Star Camp. And if you guys know me, like truly know me, especially back to high school, when I tell you this story of how I got in trouble at Five Star Camp, you wouldn't believe it. That's how trash it was. And I got in trouble with him to the point where I literally went to his office and he avoided me because he thought that I was going to fight him. Like, I was that upset. We was getting ready to eat. I had my back turned to him because I wanted to make sure, you know, I got my food straight. He legit comes to me, says, I'm making too much noise. I have to be quiet. So I'm looking around like, I I didn't even say a word. I don't even know what you're talking about. I don't even know the guys I'm sitting next to. I'm not saying a word. Never. You guys, if you guys knew me in high school, you know how shy I was. I never said a word. So I was just like, yes, sir. You know, just being polite. Yes, sir. No problem. So we go, we go in the food hall fresh after a game. I'm thirsty as crap. We, we didn't have water or anything around the court. Another reason why I didn't like the five-star camp. They, they they treated us like garbage. I take a sip of water. He thinks I'm talking again. Mind you, I have the cup to my mouth, drinking. He tells me to step to the side, like in front of the entire place, thinking that I'm the one making all the noise. So I'm looking at him like, what are you talking about? I'm not saying anything. Like, literally, I said some, I said that out loud. I'm not saying anything. What are you talking about? And then when the counselors come over to me and said, I saw you talking, get up. So I'm just like, all right, whatever. In front of everybody. Points me out and says, it's players like this that won't go far because they don't listen. So I'm just looking like, and I'm trying not to cuss, but literally after this was over with, I, I was like, what the fuck is his problem? And what is his problem with me? But this is when I learned that it doesn't matter who you are. It's people's perception of you. And if you know me, especially back then, that is not me at all. 
So I had a vendetta with him. So I came and I approached him. You know, people say, you know, you, you calm the situation, you go to him like a man, and you and you try to talk it out and fix the situation. So after everybody left the mess hall, he's still there with a couple of other counselors. And I was like, Mr. Garfunkel, can can I have a, a conversation with you real quick about something? And he was like, oh, you're, you're the kid that was making all that noise, and I don't want to speak to you. So I was like, first of all, I apologize for saying this, sir, but I truly didn't say anything. And I just wanted to make sure that you understood that it wasn't me that was that was making noise and talking while you were talking. I 100 percent is not am not that type of person. He shoves me off and says, listen, go back to your room. I don't want to talk to you. Literally just said a big F you to my face. This is the guy that everybody is is respecting. So every time people says, oh, the prestigious Howard Garfunkel, I'm saying, fuck that ugly ass white dude. Fuck him and fuck everything he stands for, because he doesn't listen to a kid that is trying to come to him and be genuine. Now, I didn't know who he thought was talking but he pointed me out and didn't even give me a chance to explain myself. But but literally, these are the people that I, I used to see and used to push me over because I used to be the quiet kid. So, as I go into my high school year, my senior year in high school, we destroy the CIAA. We only lose two games. Oh, I'm sorry. I left out something else at the five-star camp. So after that happened... I got put on suspension for one game. Uh-huh. I got suspended for one game for doing absolutely nothing. So I say to myself, listen, the next game I'm playing, I'm, I don't care who's guarding me, I'm getting 30. Yes, 30 in two quarters. I said, I don't care. I go to the guy who's coaching my team. I said, listen, when I get in the game... I'm scoring 30, and there's nothing nobody can do about it. So he looked at me like I was crazy. Every mid-range jumper I took was money. And this was another camp that we couldn't dunk. I got three dunks. The third dunk, I got called for a technical foul because we weren't supposed to dunk. The other two, I kind of like brushed the, brushed the rim. It didn't hang on the rim. But the third one was just so nasty, I had to hang on the rim. And I got a technical foul for it. So I ended up with like 35. I didn't say a word to the coach. I didn't say a word to Howard Garfunkel, who ended up walking over there and tried to congratulate me. He put his hand out and said, congratulations, have a great game. I just walked right past him. I said, I got stopped by a counselor and said, I can't believe you did that. And I said, when I tried to go to him one-on-one and have a civil conversation about what happened at the mess hall, he shoved me off, so I shunned him off. You treat people the way that they treat you. And then I and then I walked away from my counselor. Like literally. So one of my bunkmates who goes to Wilson High School was like, Yo, do you understand what you just did? I was like, who cares? I'm here. I'm showing out. If I don't get recognized for the way that I'm playing, it lets me know how how this camp is being run. Because 
five-star camp is supposed to promote the top players that are in the camp. They only promoted the top players that came to the camp. So when they had the all-star game and, and Lenny Cook and, and Carmelo and all those guys, and Sebastian was in there. Sebastian really didn't have a good camp, but he made the all-star team. I knew what was up. So our final game that we had at the camp, I I went for a loose ball and dove for the loose ball. And a kid landed on my shoulder. This is why my shoulder is jacked up to this day. And this kid landed on my shoulder. So my shoulder literally went above my chin. My elbow was above my head. My shoulder was above my chin. It was out of place. The trainer did not take me to the hospital. I'm sitting there in so much pain because my shoulder is out of socket. The trainer did not take me to the hospital. They didn't do any observation on me. They didn't ask me any questions. You don't want to know what they did? They tried to move my elbow around to pop it back in, in place and to see and, and told me to wiggle my fingers just to see if, you know, everything was still fine. That was it. This is the five-star camp that everybody was promoting back in the 2000s. Because of that misdiagnostic, I didn't get surgery on my shoulder, which I should have had, which would have put me... In, in place to play at the beginning of um, in the beginning at the end of November when the basketball season started but I went through July August September and October with a jacked up shoulder because I didn't know they just gave me some funky old rubber band and was like rotate your shoulder and, and work it out you'll be fine until I got to college, and this is how my basketball career ended, until I got to college and decided, let me get an x-ray. And I had so much scar tissue in my shoulder that it couldn't be fixed. Like, literally, the doctor told me that you can continue to play basketball, but at any point in time, if somebody swipes down on your arm the wrong way, your shoulder will pop out. The only thing that I can tell you is you have to live with this. Continue to do your exercises to, to make your shoulder stronger so that when you sleep, it won't pop out when you wake up. But as of now, I recommend that you should not play basketball anymore. So this is why I give a big F you to the five-star basketball camp. Anytime somebody talks about five-star basketball camp, I give them this ugly look. Because it's a big fraud. I respect the Nike camp. I respect the ABCD camps. I wish I would have got the invite to the ABCD camp, but that's partially on my high school coach, who was garbage. But that's a long story. Because I, I didn't find out till later that I got invited to the ABCD camp. The same time, one of my boys, uh, Travis Garrison, was there. I found out about that later, but that's a, that's like I said, that's another story that I'll I'll get to in a second. 
So I go into my senior year, jacked up shoulder and all. Oh my God. Oh my God. Are you getting over? Jacked up shoulder and all. Have an amazing year. No issues with my shoulder. We're killing it. I think we only lost one game before um, we get into league play. We go to a couple tournaments. We, we ball out in a couple tournaments. Play against cats like Eddie Curry in Illinois. But in that tournament that we played in Illinois, I faced my first racial situation. During one of these games, literally, me and my boy Romel were called the N-word by another player. And, well, I've already cussed on here, but I don't want to say it because I, I won't be able to post on Spotify, but... Literally before the game, when the captains met up, the guy came to me and my boy and was like, man, you think you, in words, with a hard R, are going to be able to guard me? I'm the top player in Illinois. So me and my boy Romel is like, all right, you want to take turns, like, shutting this mofo up? We literally held the best player in Illinois to four points. We took turns on this mofo. We told coach, we're not playing zone. We're playing man. And our coach was looking at us like we're crazy. You do realize we're playing the top, but we're playing man. We shut this mofo down to four points. His dad in the crowd screamed monkey the entire game because his boy couldn't do nothing. As soon as the game ended, I walked up to him. I was like, when you play a guy like us that you don't know anything about, just keep your mouth shut. Play play ball. We like stuff like that. Just letting you know. We like stuff like that because we'll just shut you up in the game. We never really fought. We Every time we played out of town, we played against cats that didn't know nothing about D.C. basketball. And for a lot of people around that time, i tell you this. When we played D.C. basketball against people that was out of town, especially when we had another tournament in Georgia, they just thought we were pushovers because we didn't have anybody over 6'6". Kip was the tallest guy on our team was 6'6". So we was going up against cats that was that had guards that was 6'6". But this guy was 6'5". Uh, at the particular time, he was Indiana's highest scorer per game. And we held him to four points. And we looked at him after the game and was like, good game, but shut your mouth. Don't ever say nothing like that to nobody from D.C. again. I'm just letting you know. And what school are you going to? He ended up going to a Division three school. And and I think he's the all-time scorer in the Division three school he went to. But still, we was we was that particular team. That's why I, I talk defense so heavily to a lot of kids that's playing right now. I don't care what your points per game is. If the guy you're guarding has his average or doubles up his average – you had a bad game. I remember my senior year. There was a particular game we played. We played, if you guys know about this school in, in the D.C. area called Riverdale Baptist. Riverdale Baptist High School Learning Learning Education Center has produced some of the top players 
in the D.C. area. Just to name a few, you got your Tiana Hawkins. Uh, who else went there? Oh, my goodness. There's quite a few players, this WNBA, NBA, that's went to Riverdale Baptist. I think Crystal Langhorn went to Riverdale Baptist. Uh, Marissa Coleman went to St. John's, I know for sure. But, yes, the first game of the season, my senior year, we played against them. And I remember they had these twins. The twins already got scholarships to go to the Division II school that I was supposed to go to. Um, I've played with them in the summer, so I knew how they play. But they were not playing the position that I played, so I told Coach before the game, listen, I know these two. Let me guard this particular one. He shoved me off. So I'm just like, all right, cool. You're not going to pay no attention. We go down by like six quick. The guy that I wanted to guard hit like six or seven threes back to back. He was going off. But we was going back and forth with him. So I said, Coach, listen, let me guard him. I got this. He shoved me off again. So we go into halftime. I said, Coach, listen, I'm only going to say this one more time. No matter what you say, I'm guarding him. He's not scoring again the rest of the game. So, second half starts, he never scores another point. We end up winning to the, I think they were the 15th ranked team in, in Washington Post. We end up winning by like 15 points. But this is the type of player I was. Like, people look at me how I play now. I mean, I'm like 100 pounds heavier than I was in high school. I'm not as fast as I used to be. Okay, but I took pride in making sure that the guy that I was guarding was not was either not getting their average or not scoring as many points as I did. Like that, that was I made it a point. But this is why I learned that my coach was not out there looking for me to get better and to have a better future when it came to college basketball. My other downfall was I made a commitment to the track team that I would run at the meets. And I think I had a meet one day that I also had a basketball game. So I ended up showing up at one of our games right when we were warming up. Full uniform, everything showed up. Still dropped 16. Still had like four or five assists. Solid game. Didn't know that I had a scout from Campbell University at the game. Coach never told me, never warned me that a couple scouts was coming. You know how it goes. So I talked to the Campbell scout, get a couple information, gets, gives me a verbal offer right there. Never heard from the guy again. Come to find out, And there's multiple cases with this, too, because it also happened to one of my teammates. They sent a formal offer to the school. And it wasn't just Campbell University. I had one from UDC. I have one from West Virginia Tech, was a division school, too. I had one from Lincoln University. At that particular time, Lincoln wasn't in CIAA at the moment, but... Eventually, they joined the CIAA. But I never saw any of these letters. So when I got in contact with a couple of the scouts that came to see me play, 
they just thought that I just took a took an acceptance letter from another school and never got back in contact with me. And for obvious reasons, I would have took the one for Campbell because they had the major that I really was looking forward to. And Campbell was a extremely tough school to get into at that particular time. Extremely difficult school. But I was looking at a lot of the other schools that I got letters from, and Campbell was by far the most accredited school in North Carolina. And they had my major that I, that I planned on doing. So fast forward a little bit, I actually rewind just a little bit and, um, we go going to play Riverdale Baptist one last time. This time we played at Riverdale Baptist. So I said, coach, listen, my boy, that's the twin has been averaging 20 a game all season. Let me guard him from the jump. So he lets me do it. He's he's averaging 27. No, he's averaging 24 a game. I'm trying to remember because I remember Trey was averaging 28 a game that year. Trey Kelly. He was averaging 24 a game. Still wasn't top 10 in the area, but that lets you know how good of scores we were in D.C. He ends up scoring 12. But it was because he kept switching the matchup and switching our defenses to when I wasn't guarding him. And every time I didn't guard him, he, he hit a three. He only he hit four threes, and that's how he got 12. Whenever we played man-to-man, he didn't score against me. Like, I made it a point. So he looked at me literally the next day after the game, came to practice, he says, you only scored 10 points. So I'm thinking to myself, well, geez, we won by eight. And their leading scorer had 12. And none of those 12s were on me. I said, all right, tell you what. Don't say another word to me. Let's go through practice. We got Anacostia first round in the playoffs. Let's handle business. And I walk out. Soon as I walk in the gym, cameras everywhere. Come to find out, News Channel 8. WUSA number nine and NBC four was there taking photos of our game. I get 15 points, 15 rebounds, eight assists, four blocks, three steals. And I do have the videotape for it. They just mentioned the 15 and 15. But as I watched the game back, I went berserk. We end up winning... I want to say 80-something to 30-something. I forget. This was back before running time was a thing. But we won by, like, over 50. I literally walked into the locker room, tell coach, was that good enough, and walked out. Smooth walked out. Had Had nothing to say to him. So, the next game comes. We play Baloo. Solid game. We end up winning. And we play Spring Garden in the championship game. Washington Post, Channel 4, all those places back in this back in the stands for that game again. We score, I think we scored 10 points in the first quarter. I get seven of them. 
Coach never calls another play for me the rest of the game. To the point where I don't even have the ball the rest of the game. Because you see my stats when I mentioned it. I facilitate. I make sure everybody gets involved. We end up losing this game. And this is why I talk to people and tell them about this whole GOAT conversation. You can't have a GOAT conversation because everybody is so different in different areas. I made sure that my entire team was able to do their game. That's what made us so successful. You never want to put people in a place where they can't succeed. But that's what my coach did. One of my one of my boys, my best friends that I grew up with, Adam, had a cold three-point shot. In the championship game, fresh out, not even really getting a chance to play a lot this season. He knocks down two threes. What does he do after that? Takes him out the game. It's on film. But this is what this is what I'm saying. So he gets fired. He never coaches the Coolidge again. And I find a bunch of letters that was in his desk from colleges for me, my boy Kip. Also, letters from being honorable mention of McDonald's All-American Choice, which I, I knew I had no way of being on that list. But the fact that I was chosen as one of the top 1,000 high school ballers in, in the entire country. Like, when you think how many high schools are in the United States of America, I was rated one of the top 1,000 players. To me... That meant a lot to me. So, I look at that and I say, I should have found a way to make a better opportunity for myself instead of relying on someone else. But this is this is the point where it says, you know, other people are out to help you and hurt you. I got hurt. But it's a learning experience. That I grew from. Fast forward a little bit. Me and my boys go to a couple colleges just to run with the guys that they got on the team. We destroying them. I remember one particular time we went to a school right outside of DC. Had a run with their me, me, Kip, Mark, and Romel. We went to we went to Marymount University, and to this day I wish I would would have went to Marymount University. Me and Kip ball out so heavy. We're going against their guys, two of the guys that end up making all-conference. And we made them look like they didn't belong on the basketball court as high schoolers. Literally, their coach stopped the game after I dunk on one of their guys, pulls, all of us, pulls me and Kip in office and is like, listen, I don't understand why I never heard of you guys, but this is a joke. What did you guys do last year as a team? He said, like, well, you know, we went 26-5 and five and we ended the season, you know, number number 20 in the city. Are you serious? What what are you recruiting? What what does what your recruiting schedule look like? He's like, well, we ain't getting recruiting. We ain't getting no letters or nothing. He's like, what, what, huh? What is wrong with your coach? Are you serious? You guys should easily be Division Two, Division One right now. 
fast forward. My house phone's blowing off the hook. Yo, look, I'm, I'm trying to get money here and there. I want your son in my school. But me being naive, I'm like, listen, I got money. I'm going to HBCU. I'm just going to do that. I could have gone right up the street, played four years of ball, played overseas. I'm good right now. But this is where I say all oh, this is my fault, being blind. Go to HBCU, by far the best four years of my life. Love, love going to HBCU. I've never traded for anything. But this is where I really got hit into a lot of things in a smack of reality. So I'm going to take one more break, and then I'm going to get back to it. I got to catch my breath. 40 minutes is a long time to talk. All right. So I'm not going to really talk about St. Augustine's and deep. That's the HBCU that I went to. St. Augustine's College at the time that I went. St. Augustine's University as it is right now. By far the best four years I've ever had. The only thing that I wish that didn't happen was the fact that my shoulder was just so damaged that I couldn't really play ball like I wanted to. And it kind of messed me up my first year because educational-wise, my, my mental was completely gone. But, um, yeah, so we're going to fast forward after that. And this is getting to the point where I start to get to the whole point of me and why I wanted to do this podcast for this particular episode. So as I was still in school, I decided I wanted to find a job and live off campus. You know, small states, areas, you know, living off campus was cheap. So, you know, me and my my boy, we got a, a place off campus. We paying $300 a piece for rent. Cool. And for anybody in D.C. area talking about $300, you can't name no place in D.C. area that's $300 rent. So let that sink in. That's not even a week. So, I get a job working at Target. I get a store manager at Target that literally, for three months, never even remotely tried to remember my name. Never even tried. I was a, I was a young kid. I had cornrows. You know, he's looking at me a certain way, whatever. My whole mentality was, I'm going to make him think about somebody. I'm going to make him think I'm somebody completely different than his first impression. I was always on time. I think at that particular point, the only time that I really came late, and for anybody that went to St. Aug, you understand why. uh, I always tried to schedule off for (laughs) registration for school. Registration for school at St. Aug is a different animal. Back then, it was hardly any type of organization. For one, it was always in alphabetical order by last name. And you were never in and out within an hour. Never. I think my senior year was the first time that I literally did registration in an hour. Which is hilarious to me, thinking about it. I... 
I remember it like it was yesterday. It was even it was even within my first year working at Target. I called Target earlier in the day and I said this. Dealing with St. Aug, I always have issues with registration. I think it was my third year. I was living off campus. I think it was my third year. I said, I always have issues with registration. I will call you back at least two hours before my shift and I'll let you know what's going on. So we get to about, I think I started, I had to start registration at 10 o'clock. I think that's when the P started. What's it? 10 o'clock. I get my classes straight. I get I get my whole off-campus living thing straight. And um, boom, we good. Get to the financial aid part. Now we got issues. Excuse me. Uh, your financial aid says you stay on campus. Some said, no, my financial aid is for me to be off campus. Oh, well, you have to go through the process over again. Wait, what? So, somehow somebody made a mistake. I had to readjust my classes. Don't ask. It makes no sense. I know. I readjusted my classes. Everything was squared away. Still issued with financial aid. So, I'm in the financial aid office. Literally in the waiting room for about an hour or two hours. I call, I call my job. I said, listen, I've been given a runaround for the last hour or so. I don't know what's going to happen. I'm just going to say, take me off the schedule. If you can find somebody else to take my shift, cool. If you need me to work another day, cool. But today ain't it. I just got a, I just got a feeling. Okay, no problem. Thanks for giving us notice. This was literally 1 o'clock. I think I had to work at 5 o'clock. Okay, so I'm just like, listen, I've been here for three hours and I haven't gotten anywhere. They're messing with me. They're messing with a bunch of stuff. Just go ahead. I'm just going to take this one as a loss. We'll move on. Mind you, never had an attendance issue, never had anything going on, nothing. So I get to work the next day. Literally the first thing they say when I walk in the building. Hey, why didn't you call out yesterday? They got you on there for uh, no call, no show. What? Seriously? I legit called twice. One for prep and the other to call out. Early. I go on the computer, look at my schedule. I'm not even on the schedule. Because they took me off because I gave them so much early notice that they were able to adjust and add somebody to the schedule. The grid that they were looking at was the one that was printed out in the morning. So my boss comes to me and says, listen, I don't know what the situation is. It just feels kind of shaky. I'm just letting you know, be prepared. I get pulled in the office. They try to say it was a no call, no show. I show them the log on my phone, how long I was actually talking on the phone and all the other stuff. Who knows if it still got squared away to this day. Basically, the manager was probably looking at me like, oh, just another N-word you know, can't come to work, this, this, and this. Never had an attendance issue, never came late, nothing. So, fast forward a little bit, a couple jobs open for me to move off of the register to move to the sales floor. 
first thing I do is like, please, I'm taking that. I'm done with the cashier. Get to the sales floor. First thing they do, hand me a walkie-talkie and me a piece of equipment that everybody on the sales floor works. Never showed me how to use it. Never told me what to do with it. Never even told me what it was for. For two weeks straight, I literally would go to the side and try to figure it out for myself. I was like, if I break it, cool, whatever. I'm just like, they're giving me this opportunity and not giving me a chance to actually be great at it. So I'm telling people this because my experience for working at Target is not your experience for working at Target. I was treated so weirdly at Target to the point where I always was set up to fail. If anybody tells you otherwise, if anybody listened to this and feel like it was a different story, whatever proved me wrong. Whatever proved me wrong. Literally, I was put on the floor. First two weeks, not one manager, not one trainer, not one person came up to me and was like, do you know how to use this? Not once. I never got put into training. Nothing. Okay. I'm going up to people asking them for help. These white people and Asian people were ignoring me. Go right up to a white person. White person has no clue. They come and ask me. They look at it like, oh man, I'm so sorry. I, I didn't I didn't think I, it's cool. My whole mindset the first two, three years that I was working at Target was change the perception of how people thought about me. Because if you start with square one, maybe they'll change the perception of others. I was a tall kid. I had locks at the time that I moved to the floor. And people were just looking at me a certain way. This is how life goes. I learned fast. So, fast forward a little bit. I get my first racist manager. He didn't last long. I get my first racist manager. Okay. So racist to the point that he would always set me up to do things that he knew I didn't know how to do just so he can write me up. The first time I knew he wanted me to be fired, before we even get our schedule, obviously you have to set up your availability. So Tuesdays and Thursdays, I didn't have any class. So I always had open availability on Tuesdays and Thursdays. I realized in the system, he changed it to Wednesdays and Fridays open because I was trying to figure out why I was always coming into work five, six o'clock on Tuesday and Thursday, but coming into work two o'clock to close on Wednesday and Friday. Now, I had three o'clock class. So I would leave my three o'clock class at 3.50, get home by 4.15, change my clothes, go two blocks away to go to work. So I was like, one day, this is how I found out. One day I came to work, five o'clock, like I normally would on Wednesday and Friday. And the closing manager would say, dang, I thought you wasn't going to come. I put you down for a no call, no show. So I was like, what do you mean a no call, no show? I was like... I'm not available to come in until five o'clock. Oh, well, 
That's not what your availability says. So I was like, okay, let me look it up. My availability changed. So low-key, he was writing me up under the table. And if I didn't have a printout of the availability that I sent in, I would have been in the wrong. So come to find out, the guy ended up getting fired because he was going in the system adjusting everybody's situations that he didn't like, preferably black people, Mexicans. And it was bad. Like he called me in the office saying that I was being insubordinate at one point. He called me in the office and said I backtalked him at one point. And if I didn't have witnesses from the guests that came into the store, it probably would have stuck. But that was my first experience with that. My second experience is when I was working at Dick's Sporting Goods and I had an Asian store manager. Now, I got a recommendation from one of my one of my friends who was white. You know, I was dating I was dating uh, one of my ex girlfriends at the time, and she said, "Well, you know, Dick Sporting Goods got an opening. You're not gonna make as much money, but you know, you'll get more hours." So I was like, "All right, cool." You know, she introduced me to one of the guys that was leading the area. So I said, "All right, cool. Let me meet him." He said, "Yeah, man, I'm running team sports, but I might get promoted." So. I kind of want you to settle in and maybe, you know, you could slide up real quick. So he says, you know, the store manager is excited to meet you. He read your stuff for how you work at Target, your information with sports. He just wants to meet you. So it's all right, cool. It's an Asian guy. I sit down in the room, have a great conversation with him. When I leave the room, he mumbles something underneath his breath to the fact of, I didn't think he was going to, you know, recommend this type of guy. I heard him. I don't think you realize that I heard him. And I go to my boy and I'm just like, listen, I'm glad for this opportunity. I don't know if I should take it because I, I don't have a good feeling with this guy. This, this. He's like, oh, please, don't worry about it. He's going to be gone in no time. So I remember at one point we had a flu outbreak in St. Aug. So they forced everybody to take the flu shot. This is how I figured out I was allergic to a lot of things that was in the flu shot. And I get the shot. I end up getting extremely sick to the point where I was in bed for like, I didn't eat. I was in bed for literally like two to three days. I was peeing in a bucket, all that stuff. Like it was that bad. I lost like 10, 15 pounds. I've been working at Target and at Dick's Sporting Goods at the same time. Everyone at Target literally came to my house to make sure I was okay. Outside of my my boy from Dick's Sporting Goods, nobody even thought twice about me. Like, to the point where on that third day, when I finally got myself together and was able to even drink water... I already had a notice in my mailbox for job abandonment at Dick's Sporting Goods. The pink slip. Job abandonment. I literally went in the next day I was able to actually fill a a full sentence and was like, I got this in the mail. Did you realize that I wasn't feeling well? That like literally I I was borderline like 
if I would have dropped, if my temperature would have raised like another one or two degrees, like I would have been dead type of sickness. And the guy just looked at me like he didn't, he didn't care. So I was like, all right, I don't understand what you hate about me because I've been nothing but utmost and nice to you. I never bought any negative things to the store. I even bought more people to the store because, you know, I was involved in sports. So I was just like, I just wish you all the best. Hope nothing happens to you, man. You know, but please change your mentality because I I don't understand what's going on. So. Fast forward just a little bit more after that, he ends up getting fired from Dick's Sporting Goods because they found out he sexually harassed a couple people at the store and ended up getting fired. Like I say, I, I tell people all the time, like, I try not to get upset with how people act because karma is a, a lot stronger than your personal feelings. So fast forward just a little bit. Um... I I end up deciding that I want to move back to D.C. I come back to D.C., find a store that would take my transfer from Target. Everything is going smooth. And every time that I had an opportunity to grow at Target for the first, I want to say, six years... Before I transferred from the one in North Carolina to D.C., I had an opportunity to get promoted. And I just felt like it was time for me to leave North Carolina. So I passed that one up. Um, I had the opportunity when I first came to D.C. to just go ahead and jump right into it. But I wanted to know how the district was ran. And this was another mistake by me because... I ended up just being put on hold for so long. I was always given leadership responsibilities without leadership pay. Um, And I had so many negative things that happened. Like for anybody that would have been me in this situation, everybody would have walked away and I just sucked it up. So... Once I left North Carolina, North Carolina ended up being a solid situation that I should have stayed in. But once I moved to D.C. and worked at the store that I worked at, everything was negative after that. Like, I I sat down and literally tried to think of a positive that wasn't team member based, like, you know, friendships and things like that. And it was hard for me to find a positive. Extremely hard. I didn't really learn anything. I didn't really gain anything. My promotional opportunities was minimal. And I was always overlooked and and treated like garbage. This is how bad it was. So my first two years, I worked in the electronic department. I literally had a boss that wanted to make sure he knew more than I did, even though every single day that I left the job, I researched so many things just so I would know the next day that I came to work. This is how dedicated I was. Anytime a new TV came out, I knew about the new features. I knew what else somebody might have needed. That was the type of person I had. But when it came to video games, I knew way more about video games than anybody in that building. I don't give a damn what Target was sending out email-wise. I knew before Target, okay? 
And I remember at the time, I got this idiot of a manager. And he would question everything that I said about a video game. I knew a video game got postponed. It didn't get postponed in his mind. It's still in the news ad. I said, all right, whatever. I remember it was a particular game that got postponed. It was supposed to come out. I want to say it was The Last of Us. The Last of Us was supposed to come out in November. It ended up coming out in March. I knew about it the second that it happened. But Target did not take it out of the sales ad. They had to reprint the sales ad and and resend it out. So the thing that I always did in the huddles was announce the new releases. So I said, everybody that was looking forward to The Last of Us is not going to come out. It got pushed back. There was a few issues. So, And we had a whole bunch of PlayStation guys. Cool. In the huddle, he literally said, whatever Irvin said is garbage. It's still coming out. It's in the sales ad. So I said, listen, it was announced yesterday. The game got pushed back. It's coming out in March. Do not expect for it to be out here. Do not expect for it to come to the store. Loud as crap. He says, whatever. If you believe him, you can believe him if you want to. He goes right to the computer. It says right there, that even though this game is in the sales ad, it has been delayed to, like, I want to say, like, March 15 or something like that. He comes to me and says, oh, so you were telling the truth. You knew what you was talking about. Bro. But this is the type of people that I work for. I always went the extra mile to make sure I knew everything. So when the reviews came out for our raises and everything, I would always get like a middle of the road or some crap review. And for that particular point at Target, the review the reviews came out. You you couldn't just put a score. You had to explain why you gave the score. I knew the scores was garbage because for attendance, I never had a perfect score on the attendance. I never missed a day. Never. Never. Never missed a day. Never came late. And if I came late, it must have been like an extreme accident on the way to work. So first thing I said was, why was this like this? Oh, we can't we can't give everybody perfects because this is I said, well, listen, how many times have I called out in the last year? I want you to look it up. How many times did I call out in the last year? How many times do you remember me calling out in the last year? It should be no option under the top. For attendance, at least. Attendance. So that makes me know that the rest of this review is complete bull. So as I go down the list of the review, it's like. I'm not going to say the score. I'll just say one, two and three, three being the best. So it'd be like two, 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 three for leadership, two, two, one. So I'm looking at the one. What did you give me the one for? So I remember one year I got a one for saying I didn't complete my tasks in a timely manner. So I I literally went to my manager and I was like, well, what tasks did I not complete in a timely manner? Oh, well, you know, you got to finish the the new release sets before the store opens up. So from six o'clock to eight o'clock, let me let me give you a description of what they wanted me to do. They wanted me to change every label strip for all the new releases. They wanted me to case up every DVD that's brand new, every CD that's brand new, every book that came out that week, 
pull it out the back room, get it labeled, put up the sell signs in two hours. Now, with that being pictured, usually the one thing that I usually wasn't able to complete is the sale signs. But that's a two-hour span. If you look it up in the system on, the, on a weekly basis, it's an eight-hour task. And that's just for setup. That's not including the push, the backstock, all that stuff. You, they wanted me to do that in two hours. So I got a negative look for doing an eight-hour task and ultimately four hours because I always finished it before I, before I went to my lunch break. An eight-hour task in four hours. And they gave me a negative looks for that. Now, I'm not Superman. I'm not the Flash. But this is what I dealt with. So instead of just being like, let me try to figure out if I can find something else that fits me, I'm sticking with it. Fast forward a bit. I'm getting extremely frustrated. A lot of people are getting promotions that don't deserve it. A lot of people are getting things that don't deserve it. And I'm just like, damn, I'm not even getting recognized. I think out of 18 years working at Target, I think I got recognized for something four times. For a guy that's working at a company for 18 years, I should not be able to count on one hand how many times I get recognized. Like, that's absurd. That is extremely absurd. So put it like this. The one thing that they did, and I wish I would have caught it earlier, that didn't help their cause was the fact that the D.C. area decided they wanted to open up a lot of small format stores. So each store had to send out a certain amount of people to help set up these new stores. Okay. So as we're going to help set up these new new stores, a lot of these stores with these store managers are looking at us like, man, you know what you're doing. How can we never heard anybody any promotional opportunities from you coming from this, this, and this? So I'm just like, listen, only thing I can do is just say, as soon as something comes available, I apply. But they have a yes, no agreement on that. Okay. So, you know, word around town comes from me my girl Joy, my boy Dominique, about trying to figure out how to get us out of this store to be promoted. Ever since that first task that we had, it literally took three years just for me to get promoted. So we go to a couple other stores and I'm like, you know, this store would be perfect. This this the setup would be fine. But in the in the in the distance, I'm hearing that there's a store that's opening up literally three minute drive away from my house. So I'm like, oh my goodness, this is like the best situation ever. I can still work at the same company. You know, at the time I had a sick family member, I'm close to home. Let's let's push it. Let's try to do this. These mofos were so selfish, they didn't even give me the opportunity to see if it was a good fit for me. To the point that they didn't even tell me when the opportunity opened up to take a role at the store. Because 
I was told that the store was supposed to open up in like September ish. Because but there was a certain issue that said it was going to get delayed for a year. Come to find out it got delayed till Black Friday. So they were slick in not trying to let me know that it opened up. So I'm talking to the store manager at the new store. He's like, I asked about you so many times. Nobody let you know because all you had to do was say that it was an opportunity that you wanted to take advantage of. And then I would have brought you over. He had to literally hire one guy that had experience and a bunch of brand new guys that he ended up having to fire because they had no clue what the job entailed. And this brings me to the point of why I wanted to do this, 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 this little message and get a lot of stuff off my chest. So before I decided to end my career with Target, they fired two team leads that I was, I don't, I won't, I don't want to say I was extremely close with, but one, one, the guy I was cool with, you know, he was getting things done, even though he was throwing me under the table a bunch of times, but and then another another young lady who just had a baby and was getting docked because she was out on maternity leave. Like they were trying to replace a, a team leader on maternity leave. For bringing life to this world. So I got put in a position that I was not only managing my area. And if I describe to you what I had to take care of in a 40 hour work week, it's insane. So I was overlooking the presentation section, which basically means anything that comes in the store, we have to make it fit. Anything that changes in the store, I have to time that out and schedule that out. Any new releases for entertainment, I have to get that together, schedule that out. Um, Plus, I had to overlook the toy department, which is by far the most ridiculous department to have, just not having anything else. I had to overlook the luggage department. I had to overlook the sporting goods department. And for all you people that's, that know, when it comes to the summertime, the luggage in the sporting goods department is by far just as hectic as the toys is during the cold season. I had to overlook the electronics department. I had to overlook the baby department. I had to overlook the little dollar area that's in the front of the store. I had to overlook the checkout area. That was my role before anything extra that I'm going to add on to you in a second. That is way more than a 40-hour work week for one person. And do you know I used to get written up because small things wasn't completed? Hey, Irvin, how come you didn't have nobody do this in toys? Oh, because I had them doing 30 other things during the day. In a four-hour schedule. Yep, I said it. They were doing 20 and 30 things for me because I was so amazing for them as a manager. In four hours. Everything cannot be done. So, once they fired the guy, I ended up having to add on the work in the truck. Not only that, I had to overlook the health and beauty area. So all your toothpastes, your 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 men's hair color, your shavers, um, your tampons, your lotions, your deodorants, the sanitizers, that was me. I had to overlook the paper department, the paper towels, the toilet paper, the pet food department. 
that was all me. I had to add that on to the, the, the stuff that I had to do at first. Then you add another team leader who had absolutely no clue how to work retail. So I'm training her. Oh, mind you, I still got to pull the clearance. I still got to do the price changes. Yep, that's a part of presentation. So I was overstressing myself. I was getting thrown under the bus overstressing myself. And all everybody was saying was, well, you just need to get some more people. If I only have 65 hours in a week to give people to do things, I have to step up and step in and do some things myself because it's not enough time. Okay. Mind you, I'm still dealing with vendors because that was what the job entailed as one of the guys that worked with the truck. I had to deal with the vendors. Anything that was delivered, I had to deal with it. Receiving, I had to deal with it. I had to overlook that. So if something happened with the receiver, hey, guess who's going to be a receiver for today? Hello. So the stuff that had to be pushed off the truck, I had to overlook that. If Now, the people that's pushing the truck only got three hours or four hours. The last truck that I had to push was a 2,000 piece. It was almost 30 hours worth of push. We only scheduled 22. Hey, guess who had to fill in that last eight hours? Did those people above me want to help out? You, I Guess what the answer is. So when April came and I got my last review and it was one of the worst reviews that I ever had in my life, but these are all the things that I'm trying to do as one man, I, I, I decided I had to make a change. So I literally went to the office and said, listen, I'm considering coaching basketball. But with that, I need to focus mainly on presentation and I need to have my old hours back because when I was working the truck, I was working overnight and I couldn't do the truck overnight because who knows what time I'm going to get home from games. And I'm not dressing in Target attire to go to a game just to go to work right after a game. I'm gassing myself out. So they didn't agree to do that and adamantly was like, we're not even going to hire anybody to work the truck. I ended up working the truck and doing this for at least four months. So my last ultimatum was in September. I said, listen, I got a job working at such and such a school. Can you please find somebody to do the truck? And he looked dead in my face and said, I'm not hiring anybody. So I said, okay, I'm putting in my notice. I appreciate everything that you've done. And it sucks that Target is looking to be a community service place and you're not allowing me to better be a part of the community and still represent this company. But I appreciate you. He thought I was bluffing. One day he shows up and says, hey, I got the the two-week notice. You were serious? Absolutely. But guess what happened? The very next day, he found somebody to take over the truck. This is the bull that I was talking about. You would rather overwork me than to set me up to be successful. 
And this is where I say, Target as a company, I do not blame you whatsoever. But you truly need to have eyes on what these people are doing at the lower level. I understand you're making money, but at any point in time, we can have a bunch of people who's worked for your company come out and and talk dirty about you and people will never shop at your store ever again. This is not what I'm about. I'm talking about my experience. So, I say this like I say everything else. Karma is very strong. Right now, this company is middle of the road. It's a situation where they're worried about money and not success. I can easily see Target in the next four years being Kmart and Sports Authority. Easily. So, this is how tacky Slim was. They had a little going away thing for me. The mofo didn't even show up. Now, mind you, I went out on good terms. And here's the reason for this whole situation. I'm at the point where I'm putting trust in nobody right now. It's just me, my family, and my close loved ones. Anybody else, if you're not about positivity, if you're not about making sure everybody is in good sense, then I don't want you around me. Kate, point blank, I, I don't want you around me. Not at all. I don't even want you to say hi. But I legit, and this is going to make me not ever want to work, walk into another Target ever again. I walked into a Target, the one that's three minutes by my house. And I just so happened to see the store manager. And he said, I heard that you wasn't working at Greenbelt anymore. What are you doing? I said, well... I'm coaching basketball. Um, the only reason I actually stopped working at Target was because I just wanted my time adjust, adjusted for just a, a short period of, of, you know, just so I can coach in the evenings and then come to work early in the mornings because, you know, me working with presentation, it should work out that way. So he said, really, are you interested in coming back? I said, it wouldn't surprise me if they put me on the do not rehire list, even though I went out on good terms. But if you can get me in, I'm open to be available to join in. So I left in October. It's We're coming up to March right now. So November, December, January, February, March, five months. Uh, he gives me a call this morning and he says, unfortunately, I tried to talk to the district. I let them know the situation. They put you on the do not rehire list. So 18 years of working at this company, busting my ass, never had a negative thing to say about this company. Will never get another dime from me. Period. Never get another dime from me. If anybody is listening to this, if Target is your favorite store, this is not to change your mind about Target. But I just wanted to let you guys know that Target at this particular point in time, 
in certain places is treating their employees like a, a pile of doo-doo. I want you to research these particular stores and handle it the way that you will handle it. I'm not picking on the company as a whole. I will legit, like if I go to North Carolina, I'll go to the store that I worked at. I love that place. It's still amazing. But as far as I'm concerned, this particular district that I live in will never see me walking in that red place ever again. To the point where I don't even want to call it by his name anymore. Like, that's how upset I am. Like, I never understood why so many people will look for people to fail in life. I always tried to treat people a certain way because I wanted them to succeed in everything that they did. But if you create failure for yourself, I cannot help you for the failure that you create on yourself. But I will not be that person to make you fail. I've, I've literally had a bunch of people come to work and say, I'm not trying to get fired. I'm trying to do this. I'm trying to do well. And I'm giving them chance after chance. I literally had, when we remodeled the store, I literally had two people that I said, listen, I'm giving you too many chances. It will look crazy on me to continue to give you chances when you're doing what you're doing. Like, you have to give me something that I can bring to the table and say, this is a mistake that happened and they're trying to fix it. I've never made that mistake. I literally had a boss come to me and say he was going to make me put he was he was going to put me in trouble for not writing anyone up. If I don't give if I don't have a reason to write someone up, why would I write them up? They literally wanted me to write up somebody for coming in six minutes late to work. For the first time ever in three years. That is so petty. But that's what I dealt with. I took a write-up for not writing up somebody who was always in great standing. To now we're at the point where they're putting me not on a do not hire list. That's a slap in the face for 18 years. But, like I said, I'm in a good space right now. I don't want to change the people that's listening to this mind about the company of Target. But if you guys know me personally and you, and you want me to let you know what places not to shop at, I will clearly do that. One hundred percent. But please, people. I just want to let you guys know, and I hope there's a lot of young people listening to this. Keep your eyes and your ears open for every opportunity that comes your way. I've let so many opportunities go by that I refuse to let anything positive to another person go by without mentioning it. I literally had a long conversation with one of my players that I coached to let her know that 14 is such a tender age right now for you. You can do certain things that can break your future and and help your future at the age of 14. But I will not be that person. I will be here to help you along the way.
I want everybody to have that opportunity. I don't want to just point out one person because it looks like it's favoritism. But when you see people that have an opportunity to be better, you want them to be better. I want to be that mentor and I don't want anything out of it. Like if she goes on to be successful 10, 20 years later, and she, and she brings up my name, I, that's not the credit that I want. Her happiness, her future is what brings me happiness. That is the type of person I am. To anybody that knows me, that is the person that I am. Like, we're speaking to my little cousin, and the first thing he said after his basketball career uh, at college ended, he said, I've just been trying to work so hard to be just like you. And I told him straight up, I'm glad that you ended up being better than me. Because I don't want that credit. Like, like I'm tearing up right now because for him to say something like that, he has no reason to say anything like that. Like, he comes to me all the time and says, man, I remember those workouts when you were saying this, this, and this to me. And I used to be like, oh, why is he saying? But now I realize that you were just pushing me to be better. Like, he doesn't have to say that. That is not what I want. And he's still pushing to this day. And if he has any question, he knows I'm there for him. That's what I want. But if he goes on to make millions and millions of dollars, I don't want to dime. I want him to be happy. That's it. That's it. So I'm going to end this. And I appreciate everybody for listening to this. I really didn't expect it to be this long. But I started rambling and ranting about some things. I had to get a lot of stuff off my chest, man. But I've had an interesting 38 years of life. I'm ready for the next 38 years more. Hopefully, a lot of positive things can come out of this. I'm doing AAU. I'm doing girls high school ball. I'm out here grinding. I'm out here in the streets. I want to get better. You know, this is my first year. I'm learning. I want to get better. I appreciate everybody's support for this podcast that I'm doing, these vent sessions that I'm having. (laughs) So I promise every podcast that I post will be between 20 and 40 minutes from here on out. I'm sorry for this long one, but I just want everybody to be so in tune with life right now that they are not missing out on anything. I missed out on so much. Because I was so willing to settle. I was so willing to accept. I was hungry. But I wasn't hungry. I wanted it. But I didn't want it. But anyway. Let me know how you guys thought about this man. I'm just letting a bunch of stuff off my chest. Um, Holler at me on my social pages. Drop, drop some messages, man. Let me know what's good to talk about. No LeBron talk, please. No KD talk, please. Everybody always hear me talking about LeBron. But give me some topics if you want me to talk about anything. Otherwise, I'm just going to do a couple more pop-ups before the end of the week, before All-Star break. Friday, Thursday, tomorrow, I'm going to do my predictions of what I think is going to happen on the rookie game. Give you my predictions on the dunk contest, the three-point contest, the skills contest. 
it didn't what to expect from the All-Star game. So I appreciate everybody listening in, man. Thank you for keeping in tune for two hours. Break it up, man. Break it up. Listen a couple times, all right? I'm going to holler at y'all, man. Love you guys, man. Peace.